0: Visit our website at fbcloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving or Turkey Purge, as I like to prefer, or prefer to think of it. Get rid of a few more of those birds. Those things bother me. I don't know why. They're just, they're just bad. <laughs> anyway, I, hey, um, you know, I, I never feel so much pressure as I do when I have to speak on the holidays. Um, and it's, it's always just, you know, a, a kind of a double-edged sword. I look out and I see some of you and you're already looking at your watch and you're thinking about what's got to happen, right? I hear Joan laughing. You know, the, the meal's got to be on the table, birds bird's got to be in the oven, yadda da and you're working your way through that, and you're trying to think about that stuff, and, and the rest of you are just sitting there not worrying about that at all, because all you're worrying about is eating. So you're sitting in the pews practically drooling, again, focused on what's coming after the service, and so one of the things I'm most thankful for this morning is that at least I don't have to speak after the meal, right? Like, I mean, don't have to compete with el tryptophan or whatever that stuff is, and anyway... Like Gordon mentioned, we are starting a new series called, What Are You Looking At? Um, and I'm excited about this series. The whole premise of the series is that we, are, we tend to focus on things that are important to us. The things that are important to us, we gravitate to, and they become a focal point for us in our lives, right? And I don't think many people will argue that, not, at least not too much. So, as we take note then of the things that we are focused on in our lives, as we, as we sit back and evaluate what we're looking at, then we can make an assessment then. It gives us this opportunity to make an evaluation as to whether those things are worthy of our attention and our focus or not. And what's more is we want to be able to evaluate those things. We should take time to evaluate those things in order to make sure that we don't get preoccupied in chasing the wrong things. That we don't get sidetracked or derailed on things that would cause us to miss out on what is best for us as we pursue something less. So, the question this morning is, what are you looking at? And, obviously, we don't know that. We can't be privy to that as we set out and do these Sermon series and so on. But there are some things that are common for us that we get preoccupied with in life that kind of categorically lure a bunch of us in. And so over the course of this next month, we're going to be looking at some of those things. We'll be working our way through them from week to week. And today we're starting with this thing called the bucket list. Now, most of us are familiar with. The term the bucket list and the idea of the bucket list. But for those of you that aren't, the bucket list is a list of things that you want to do in your life or accomplish before you kick the bucket. Okay? And so I think that it's been around for a while, but it really came into its own with a movie called The Bucket List by, uh, with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson in it and, and so on a number of years back. And, and since then, it's, it's become sort of very contemporary and, and so on. And as it has, that I think that it has served then to actually, even, even you know, if it's possible, lure us in a little bit further to that whole idea. So as you go through life, if somebody were to ask you what's on your bucket list, they would be asking you, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish before you die? And now most of us are at that point where we would maybe even have a list. We would have our own bucket list. It might be, you know, things like, well, I want to own a Ferrari. Or I want, you know, to holiday on the Riviera. I want want to have a new house with, this type of features, I want to run with the bulls in Pamplona, etc., etc., right? We come up with this list, these things, whatever sort of special and important to us. And right at the outset, just before we get going, and again, in order to make sure that everybody doesn't just start to tune me out right away, and or that I don't get inundated again with emails... I um, just want to say, hey, there's nothing wrong with having some hopes and dreams. There's not, that's not a problem. Holidays aren't wrong. Ferraris aren't inherently evil. Lamborghinis are. <laughs> but not Ferraris. And so, don't, don't get excited. The point here is that we don't want to get fixated on achieving these things and make that our priority, such that we take our eyes off the long view, that we begin to focus on these other things and take our eyes off of the long view. So that's what we're driving at here this morning. Now, you're saying to me, dude, it's Thanksgiving. Like, we should be having a Thanksgiving message, another of the problems with always having to speak on the holidays, right? Thanksgiving, how, man, it's, how do you make that fresh every year? Um, anyways, but I'm going to take a crack at it because I actually think that this is a great series to do, launching off on Thanksgiving, as we look at this whole idea of what are you looking at. Because I would offer for you this morning, I would submit for your consideration that I think that Thanksgiving has served over the last number of years, to be confusing us a little bit as followers of God. That thanksgiving is actually causing us to focus poorly in some respects in our lives. So let me explain. Now, at thanksgiving, we are encouraged, if you will, where we promote the idea of being thankful for the good things in our lives, right? And we see it. Kids at school, what are you thankful for? We do it throughout. Sometimes we do it around the table. Before we can dig into the meal, we've got to stop and say what we're thankful for, and so on and so forth. Now, again, nothing wrong with that. But what's happening, I believe, is that we're tending to define that in terms like, Our families, our country, our homes, our vehicles, our holidays, our jobs, etc., etc. And again, those aren't bad things. But as we have come to consider these things as the, the things that make our lives good then I believe that we have started to focus poorly. We've started to shift our eyes from the long view to the short view of ourselves. And I think that Thanksgiving is aiding and abetting us in that today. As we opt and settle for those definitions of the good life for you and for me. We've turned the blessings of God, if you will, these things, our jobs, our country, our homes, our families, the blessings of God into the things that we pursue rather than them being a blessing that is given to us from God. And we've made them our focus objective, rather than allowing them to be something, just a good gift given to us from God as He sees fit and he, as He blesses us in our lives. Now, I think that the bucket list is similar in this respect, that as we've adopted this idea of the bucket list and of actually coming up with a list of good things that we want to accomplish in our lives things that we think that are going to lead us to the good life, than that it has distracted us from what is really good. Because we view these things now as good. We we don't just list them as a blessing. We don't list them as, as a gift from God. But we've listed them now as an objective. We consider them now a priority in our lives. And so we're then... What's the word I'm looking for? We're justified in actually going after those things, pursuing those things, setting them as our goals, setting them as our objectives. And we deem it then worthy of our focus, of our time, of our energy, of our cash to accomplish these things. And if we aren't careful... They can dominate our agenda and squeeze out what is really good in life. We start to look at them. We begin to focus on them as we consider them the ticket to the good life. We even pursue them thinking that they're going to bring us fulfillment, purpose even as these objectives are worthy objectives, well, then it gives me a purpose. I have to go out and accomplish this. And what's more, what's more, it's coming to the point where they're actually even giving us meaning in our lives. That as I do this, as I go out and actually accomplish these things, well, that will make me a good spouse. Well, that will make me a good father as I... Get that new home for my kids where everybody has their own ensuite bathroom. Well, that will make me a successful person. And people will regard me, and I will have meaning because I've accomplished these things. But at this point, it bears noting that Solomon concluded otherwise. He came up with a a way different conclusion to this whole matter. And we're going to take a look at that now, but let's first pray and ask God to come and speak to us through his word. Father, this morning as we turn to your word in Ecclesiastes and other spots, God, I would just pray that we would hear from you today. That on this Thanksgiving day, we stop right now and we say thank you for your word. And thank you that you speak into our lives through it, God. That you offer us wisdom and insight so that we can have the good life that you intend for us. With meaning, with purpose, with fulfillment, despite our circumstances. Despite being able to or not able to accomplish so many of these things that we have come to understand and define as as good and as objectives, therefore. So this morning, as we look at this now, God, I would just pray that you would help us to see anew what is really true, that you would help us to assess where we're at in our lives, and that you would help us to come in line, however close we are, that you would help us to come in line even more with who you are And what you want. And what is really good. For I ask these things now in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Solomon. Set out to evaluate the good life. Which is to say that he looked at fun and pleasure. The good things in life. In order. To what to find out what is actually truly good. He looked at so many of these things that we list as the good things in life to find out if they were actually really good, which is to say, if they brought fulfillment, if they brought meaning, if they brought purpose for him. And we read about that in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. So if you'd turn with me in your Bibles, if you'd flip on your phones, what have you, Let's take a look at that, we'll read through it. There it says, I'm just going to operate this morning from the perspective of this, of this is Solomon speaking to us. If it's not Solomon, it seems very definitely to be based on Solomon. I just decided that it is Solomon. It's easier for me to keep it straight in my head. Anyhow, we're gonna, so I'm going to talk about this being Solomon, and I'd appreciate it if you'd bear with me in that. So Solomon says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. So he says, I'm going to test myself with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Okay, for the sake of time this morning, we're going to go back and look at this passage of Scripture, and it breaks down this way. Verses 1 and 2 outlines Solomon's objective with a summary conclusion right off the hop. Then verses 3 through 9 outline the extent of his investigation into pleasure. He details that for us. Then in verse 10, he offers for us a summary and basic observation based on that. And finally, in verse 11, he offers to us his final assessment, his overall conclusion. So turning to verses 1 and 2 then, Solomon says that he sets out to see if pleasure can quench our desire for meaning and purpose. He wants to know if they are good. So in other words then, does pleasure provide us, you and I, with value and satisfaction in our lives in order that we would find our lives is worthwhile? That we would come to that point where we would be satisfied and content in life. And he offers up, right up front, his verdict on that. No, it doesn't. Pleasure doesn't accomplish that. Bottom line, he says, it's meaningless. Now, anticipating our skepticism at this point, thankfully, he doesn't just set out, tell us his objective, and then give us his conclusion. He carries on to detail it. Because he anticipates our skepticism. And honestly, this morning, we are skeptical, aren't we? As we hear what he sets out to do, and then as we hear him offer his assessment, we question that, right? Come on, dude. Like, what's wrong with you, man? There's no way that this is going to turn up deuces, Not a chance. So as evidence that he's taken this seriously, this whole idea of pursuing pleasure and trying to make a conclusion about it and its worth, its value for you and I today, he outlines for us what he's done. He actually starts to list it so that we can consider his perspective in this. And we find out it's a pretty thorough list. He unpacks for us the extent to which he's pursued pleasure. And man, he didn't really leave a stone unturned. Honestly. And this morning, as we read this list, I would encourage you, look at this list and see if you can come halfway there. Even halfway. In accomplishing this before you dismiss Solomon's conclusion, okay? He built homes, not just a home, but homes. He planted vineyards, he expanded his agricultural base. It's a significant thing for a lot of people in our part of the world. If I could just get that other field If I could just have a little bit more acreage, I would spell some dividends in my life. He planted gardens, parks, and nurseries. Man, a lot of us spend a lot of time in the yard. We take great delight and great pride in making our homes look great. Not bad. He acquired slaves and more slaves. My wife got married. And when it says he had slaves that were born into his deal, that, meant he, that was just another symbol, another extent of his, his wealth. But now he was having slaves born into his, like I mean, they were reproducing for him. He didn't even have to acquire them anymore. They just kept coming. More and more people to do his bidding. He amassed livestock, silver, gold, and treasure. He had financial clout. Power. He didn't stop there. He got into entertainment. He got all the best singers. He got all the best players. He got all the best actors. He was into entertainment. Pursued that. He got himself a harem. Don't worry, dear. It's all for the sake of research. And he became greater than anyone before him. Now, as we look at this, like, I mean, I think you and I have to admit, even in our skepticism, we have to look at this and we have to say, well, that's quite the bucket list. That's quite the bucket list. And honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, I would have to conclude that his is a little bigger than mine. Not only is the list bigger, but what he's able to accomplish is a lot bigger than mine. Right? So for us skeptics, Solomon lays it out. He says, listen to me, guys. You can't touch this. So hear what I have to say on this. And in verse 10, we start to get his insight, a little bit of his perspective. He says, He offers the summary that he denied himself nothing he desired or any pleasure that he could experience. If it was out there, he tracked it down and gave it a a run. And he points out that he did enjoy it. Now, That's really important for us to note this morning. Because I think that a lot of us come to this And we conclude that Solomon was just kind of odd. Like that dude was not like the others. Right? He's definitely not like me. Because if he's saying that this stuff is worthless, like, I mean, he he hasn't been around, man. He's not walked in my shoes. And we skate right past that little assessment in verse 10, where he says, yeah, you know what? And I did enjoy them. I did. He acknowledges that right up front. They were fun. And they were enjoyable. And so he states it. But then he qualifies it. By saying that that's all they were. They were fun and enjoyable. And that was the extent of what all of that produced for me. So it isn't that Solomon actually had the personality of a brick. It's that he actually then did some thinking about this and did some evaluating about it, and he recognized that the satisfaction and the enjoyment that he got out of pursuing and accomplishing these things still left him wanting, that they didn't satisfy, that they didn't, actually deliver for him. On a really basic level, on a level that I can kind of understand maybe, I liken that to the different ways that we find to amuse ourselves but that really just add up to a waste of time in our lives. So for example, social media, or say surfing the net for hours. You know, at the End of it, I come away amused. There's been some things that I've laughed at, some things that I found interesting, so some pleasure and some enjoyment. But as to actually having it amount to something of worth, of significance, all it is is I've, I've accomplished killing a few hours. And as far as it providing me meaning and value. For myself, or even for others, zero, nil, nada. It's just distracted me. And it hasn't satisfied anything. So in verse 11, Solomon gives us his conclusion. That in pursuing fun and pleasure and these good things in life, that they are not good for people to focus on for the few days of their lives. That they're not good at all. Now, it's really too bad. It's really too bad that Solomon couldn't have read Micah, the book of Micah. Micah came a little bit later, so it wasn't Solomon's fault. But Micah speaks into this just really loud and clear in one verse in Micah six eight, and there he says this. Micah says, He is showing you, O mortal, what is good. That is, God is showing you, people, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, a lot of you will remember the situation here in Micah, the circumstances that were going on at this time in as Mike is writing. This was a time where the children of Israel were starting to just really run amok. They had become prosperous and wealthy. And in that, they were becoming actually even more and more dissatisfied with each other and with life in general. There were lawsuits against one another. They were deceitful to one another. They were, just, they were, they were going off the rails. And in the midst of that, they were still quote-unquote, pursuing God. They were giving him his token, if you will. They were offering offerings, and they were trying to appease him in that. So they were giving him token acknowledgement. Even the priests were in on it. They had gone off the rails as well. They were taking bribes and all kinds of different things. They would overlook stuff. They would do all kinds of stuff, you know, endorsing guys that had the money and and so on and so forth so that they could get kickbacks and, and so on and so forth. It was it was It was a mess. It really, really reminds me a lot of today, where we have so much of these good things that we say we're thankful for, and we, oh, thank you, God, for these blessings. As we run out and pursue them and not Him. And as so many of our pastors today, and I pray that I'll never be one of them, get up and say, hey, that's good for you guys. God wants you to be blessed, He wants you to have the good life. Yadda, yadda, blah, blah, blah. And as a result, we miss out on what is good. So Micah comes along in response to the people. And at this point, actually, the people are saying, like, oh, well, so tell us what God wants. Just, Just give us the lowdown on this. And it's a flippant response. It's an arrogant response. But Micah responds to them. And he says, he's showing you people what he wants. He's told you what is good. And this is it that you would act justly, that you would love mercy, and that you would walk humbly with God. And that as you do, then you do that and allow Him to bless you as He chooses. But we've got it out of whack. You guys have got it out of whack. You're pursuing all the blessings. You're pursuing all the good stuff, the good life. And you're missing out on what is really good. Interestingly, we see that solomon actually by the end of the book of ecclesiastes comes to the same conclusion as well ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 says now all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter fear god and keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. Here's our point this morning. Here's our point this Thanksgiving. It's not that it is wrong to have a bucket list. And not that everything on our bucket lists is bad. If you go away... Hearing that this morning, you've missed what I've been trying to say. What we're saying this morning is that our bucket lists shouldn't be our priorities. Our bucket lists shouldn't be our focus. Because that's the short view in life. That's where we begin to focus on ourselves. And that as we do that, our lives, we're going to find them wanting. They're not going to deliver the things that we are truly looking for and hoping for in life. So this morning, as we look at what we're looking at in our lives, we can't allow the good things that we're experiencing in our lives, the good things that we've been able to accomplish in our lives, We can't allow those things to replace what is truly good. And that's that we would focus on knowing God and following Him because that's where real meaning, real purpose, and real fulfillment come to play. That's where we find Purpose, meaning, and fulfillment that transcends life now all the way into eternity. That's the long view. So, this morning, this Thanksgiving, I'd encourage you let's be thankful for the blessings that God has given us, for some of the cool opportunities that He's allowed us, for sure but let's not get them confused with, with what's really good. And far more so then, let's be thankful for the meaning and purpose and fulfillment that we have through Jesus Christ. The opportunity to know God and have a restored relationship with Him. Almighty God, that we would be able to trust Him. We can be thankful that He always has our best interests in mind and at heart so we can follow Him. And that as we follow Him, as He gives us His his Word, as He speaks into our lives, that we can follow Him with some clarity. We don't even have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We can be so thankful that he lays out for us what he wants from us and what he says will deliver for us the things that we're looking for as well. We can be thankful that it keeps us from following those poor and hollow substitutes that the world offers in his place. And we can be thankful, like Barry said, that one day, despite all the stuff in our world now, the one day after these very few short days of our lives, we get to be with him. And that fact that comes one day changes every day for you and I today. Let's pray. Father God, forgive us Lord for when and how we so often get distracted and preoccupied with these things in life that we deem as good. That we even attribute as blessings from you and therefore justify and rationalize how we can pursue them instead of you. And Father We are so dense as people because we see it laid out for us here in Scripture from Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, the most successful person. With all his wealth, with all his ability, we still doubt and are skeptical. We think we know better. By your Spirit, would you speak to us today? Help us to recognize, God, open our eyes to our own pride such that we would hear from you, that we would be willing to receive from you and so that we could avoid these traps. And Lord, that as we do now and as we go forward, I pray that you would help us to be focused on the long view of knowing you and following you And thankful for all that that means and all that that entails and all that that provides. For I ask these things now in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. Hey, one more thing for you to be thankful for. Bruce is speaking next week. So, yeah, have a good week anticipating that. Take a serious round out of a couple of those turkey birds for me. Dispatch those and have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for being here.